Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Well, welcome to Walk with God. My name is Walt, and today Brenda and I want to tell you a little bit about one of our favorite places to visit in Israel. Um, It's a little town, now about 25,000 people, but in antiquity, it was a really small village. My first visit to Bethlehem was in 1995, and the city has grown and changed over these past decades, but we can imagine what this little town was like many centuries ago, over 3,000 years ago. And with that, there's dusty streets, there's small homes. Uh, Bethlehem literally means the house of bread. This is bread town. This is um, the bread basket of Israel. And yet at the same time, just a few miles to the east, a few miles to the east is a Judean wilderness, which gets so little rain, you can't grow any grain there. That's Bethlehem at about 2,500 feet above sea level. Um, It's just a beautiful area of contrast. Well, you know, Walt, I always love when we teach together, you bring in the geography and what's going on with the topography, with the weather and rainfall and what is grown there. Yes, Bethlehem is that town of bread, that bread town, as we often refer to. But you know what I love the most is the rolling hillside surrounding the city of Bethlehem. I think often as we have been at the Herodium, uh, which is to the south of Bethlehem, to really to the east, leading out to the Dead Sea. And it's here, um, as we have hiked up to the top of, of Herod's Herodium, that I get a real sense of the setting we find in the story, the birth of Christ in Luke 2. Lots of rocks, paths, you can see just, I mean, just dug into the hillsides, right, where sheep have walked, they've grazed. You can see limestone caves, they dot the landscape. And Bethlehem is one of those places God always intended to include in his story. We can see Bethlehem all the way back in Genesis. We're not, we're not going to have time today to, to hit every single reference where Bethlehem is mentioned, but it's mentioned over and over again. And so while it may be a very small village, especially when Mary and Joseph arrived there, it is not an insignificant village. And so let's move now to a few of the Hebrew scriptures and review some history. And Walt, you, well, you love history. So, <laughs> so you know, to turn you loose in the book of Ruth and the book of First Samuel, it's like, I just want to tell you all, fasten your seatbelts. Okay. Here we go. Well, I, I do enjoy this. And really, the book of Ruth, the time setting is right at the very beginning, the days when the judges ruled the land. And with that is the recognition of what is this period of time? Well, this is about 1,100 years or so before the advent of Jesus in Bethlehem, about 1,100 B.C. And at that time, um, everyone's doing that which is right in his own eyes. And, And it's a period of just chaos and a period of heartbreak. And yet at the same time, it's also a period when God is going to do something. And what God is going to do is he's going to be use a Moabite woman, probably 60 to 70 miles. She grew up east of Bethlehem, and she comes there, and she makes a commitment to the God Yahweh and to his a faithful follower, Naomi. 
And and there we have this this inclusion. They're in Bethlehem, and that's important because later in Scripture we're going to find out that that Solomon was with Rahab and she had Boaz, and Boaz was the the hero of the story of Ruth, and they had together Obed, and Obed was um, had Jesse who was the father of David. That makes Ruth David's great-grandmother, this Moabite woman. And, and, I, I, and I, I got to jump in here because yeah. I'm sorry, the names you just gave, you're saying Solomon, who was a leader in Israel's history, coming up and then crossing the Jordan River, coming into Jericho, he actually ends up marrying Rahab, who gives birth to Boaz. Okay, Rahab, a prostitute. Then you mention Boaz and Ruth get together. Ruth, a Moabite woman. Both of these women are named in the lineage of Jesus Christ in Matthew. God sees every single one of us, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and these details are important, and it, because the, the, we start the story, the main part of the story, getting Ruth and Naomi back to Bethlehem, because they need to be there in order to have David be born in Bethlehem, and and the text goes on in First Samuel sixteen and seventeen, but we'll just summarize a couple of them. The Lord sends the prophet Samuel to Bethlehem to anoint the the second king of Israel. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. And then the story goes on. He brings seven sons, and and none of them, the Lord doesn't say any of them are to be selected the king. And Samuel's confused, and he says, are these all your sons? And Jesse said, well, there's one last guy. Yeah, yeah the, little, the little guy. The little <laughs> runt out in the wilderness. Do you really want us to bring that? And, and they bring him in. And it's, it, it, it's at this point that we say, wow. Um, David is selected by God, and David's from this town, and it's important because David is going to be a shepherd, first of all, of, of sheep sheep, but then later he's going to shepherd God's flock, the nation of Israel. And David uh, just, he learned how to shepherd well in the wilderness, and I love even when the, the story, when he goes up to fight Goliath, um, David is, is, is told, that, you know, you're but a youth, how are you going to fight this mature man who's been a warrior for years? And, and just has so much experience. And, and David says, when I was out as a shepherd, um, a, a bear or a lion came and they attacked the flock and I defended the flock and I killed them. Mm. And David was being prepared there in Bethlehem and in the area surrounding well, it. And, and in 1 Samuel sixteen eighteen, I love this summary verse of who this son of Jesse is. Yeah. Yeah, then First Samuel sixteen eighteen. then one of the young men says, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skilled musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, and one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. Mm-hmm. And the Spirit of God was enabling David to do some mighty things, but he's not the end of the story. Um, even as we, we go down through his timeline, uh, David later in life, now it's almost 35 years later after he's been anointed, he's been the king for a period of time. He's had great victories, but he's also had some personal defeats mm, yeah. and, and just some some patterns of sin that, that struck his family and continued. But, but David says, I want to build a temple for the Lord. I'm going to build the house of the Lord. And there in Second Samuel 7, um, God says, no, you're not. You're not going to build a house for me. It's going to be your son. 
And I'll just read a few of these verses. Even from the day that I commanded the judges to be over my people, Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that he will make a house for you. And when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name and I will establish my throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me when he comes. Even when he commits iniquity, I will correct him with a rod of men and but continuing on, but my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you, David. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever, and your throne shall be established forever. I just love this passage in, in Second Samuel and and, and and it reminds us that, that God is keeping a promise he made early in David's life. It, and, and he's a Davidic covenant, a covenant, and said, you're now my, my leader. He's keeping a promise. And he said, David, it's not going to be you. <laughs> you're not going to establish the kingdom. It's not going to be even your son. I'm going to establish the kingdom, that I have this, this thread of history that I'm going to bring someone from of ancient days who will lead and shepherd my people, Israel. And that's that reminder now, um, approximately 300 years later, the prophet Micah, prophesying at the same time as Isaiah, said this, but this is Micah 5 too, but for, as for you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, you're too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Someone's going to be born in Bethlehem, but he has eternal heritage and lineage. This is a, a very important prophecy because this is repeated. This is repeated in the New Testament when we get to the story of Jesus and his birth. Right. And, you know, while as you walked through that, you touched on this, God made a promise to David, right? And he said in Second Samuel, no, you're not going to build the house However, my loving kindness is not going to depart, right? Your house, your kingdom shall endure before me. Your throne shall be established. But then, you know, why do we study the Hebrew scriptures? Why do we pour through these books? Like, I mean, aren't they old? Aren't they dusty books? You know, but God's promise is for the future. And therefore, God's promise is for each of us. And so I love that. And I, one of our Bible professors that we had used to say that in, in the Hebrew scriptures, it's like little buds of flowers that are here and there. And then when we come to the, the advent of Jesus, those flowers burst forth and come to full bloom and full color. And so we get these hints in the Old Testament, but then it's revealed to us fully in the New Testament, which is, is just a, a great story. And, and we could continue on with the story. There's more parts, but we want to get to the advent of Jesus um, in, there in Bethlehem. Matthew 2, 6 says for this, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, 
For out of you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And that ties back into that prophecy of Micah. It's a reminder that, that, that God's not done with this little insignificant place yet, that God still has something more to do. And I love the idea here that as Micah's prophesying and he's saying this, this Messiah, the son of David, will be born in Bethlehem, just like David was born in Bethlehem. And then you come into Matthew, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, that looks back to David. He he was, you know, we think of David as this wonderful shepherd boy, right? He, that's where he learned to throw that rock in his slingshot, right? That mm-hmm. killed Goliath right. as a shepherd boy. And here comes this unbelievable ruler going to be born in this insignificant town. And so we want to close in the passage in New Testament today of Luke 2, beginning in verse 7. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. You know, God took care of every detail when it came to the birth of Jesus, born as, yes, God's son, divine, but he was born to be the son of man, so fully human, fully God. And Joseph goes up to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And I just love even in that passage, how did they get there? God uses a pagan, a a pagan ruler of, of the Gentiles. And he says, Caesar Augustus says, we've got to have a census. And you have to go to your hometown, where you're from. And that's how God got Joseph there, and God had Jesus be born just where Micah said. Normally, he would be born in Nazareth. That's where the pregnant woman was. But they travel 70 to 80 miles south, depending on the route, and they get to Bethlehem, and it's there where Messiah needs to be born. It's there where we need to have that that thread of history come to um, the advent of of the God-man getting coming to earth coming to to be um, the ruler of the the, of the world. I, I just love that story. Yeah, and Joseph, you know, I've, I've kind of thought about this a little bit the, the last couple of days while as I've been reading Luke 2, 4 to 7, just reflecting on them and asking the Holy Spirit just to show me some truths there. But why in the world would Joseph have taken his wife, his betrothed one, and had her make that trip, you you just said, 70 to 80 miles, depending on their route. But I, I think that he was protecting her. He was caring for this woman who he was betrothed to, he was engaged to, and going to become his wife. He believed the word of the Lord. As the angel had come to him, this child, this child, is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and just even as that story of Joseph, we don't we don't know much about Joseph, but everything we see, hmm. he's a man of honor. He's a man yeah. that could have had his his fiance. He could have had her her killed 
because of her dishonoring the Lord and what he thought was the dishonor. But instead, um, he's a righteous man, and he's going to put her away quietly, not kill her. And with that, uh, um, as he's preparing to do that, the angel comes, and I, I, I love that. Really, at this point of the story, um, I often think about, okay, what's the application of this? And, and we, we get to that. We, we always want to look at Scripture. We want to understand it. We want to do good work in the Scripture. But then we want to ask, okay, so, so what do we do with this? And, and I love um, just even teaching this, just reminding you, and I remind myself, that Advent is a special season. And the, the Lord Jesus came to Bethlehem as a baby and was placed in a manger. Mm. But Bethlehem isn't his only Advent, his arrival on earth to do something significant. There's coming a second Advent when the Lord Jesus comes and stands on this earth, and the the mountain to the east, the Mount of Olives, will be split in half, and he will come with all the believers of all ages, and he will come with his angels, myriads and myriads, and he will establish the throne of David that he will sit on forever and ever. And so even in the midst of, of celebrating and enjoying, thinking about, meditating on the first Advent, I want to also encourage you to praise God that his son has risen from the grave. He will return as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There will be another, even greater advent to come that will be spectacular. And as you you say that, Walt, and you you think of the glory, King of kings and Lord of lords, you think of the glory, you think of this one, the the. The Son within the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who was willing to humble himself and come to this earth and be born in this small, insignificant town. And so, as you're saying, you know, what's our head to heart? You know, great to study God's words, dig into the Greek, dig into the Hebrew, look at all of it, but how is it going to change my life? How is it going to change my thoughts? And so, I think. Are there days when you struggle that you feel unimportant and or insignificant? And in other words, is it your Bethlehem moment? Uh, from a town with no real significance will come the most significant one. There seems to be a parallel between Bethlehem and even Jesus' statement, the last will be first in the kingdom of heaven. This principle is presented all through the pages of Scripture. And so I bring that back to saying, Lord, none of us are insignificant in your plan. We all matter to our Heavenly Father. Jesus came to this earth. You know, one of our favorite Christmas hymns, and we've included the link for you in the show notes, Listen and Joy, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem, come to this small, insignificant town and recognize it was used in a mighty way by our almighty God. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Worship, come and worship the Lord Jesus who was born to be our savior and ultimately he will be our king. Come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Over these days leading up to Christmas, we invite you 
to visit Bethlehem in God's written word, but also in your thoughts and in your heart. And until we gather again, may each of us continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.